believes that you have a heavenly father that he has called you that you are born of the genes of God that he knows all things as we just bow our hearts before him Lord what a privilege for a mortal on this earth to say we have a heavenly father how grateful we are Lord that you saw something, you placed something in us, that, Lord, we could respond to you. It's the greatest thing anyone could have, and we thank you for it. And, Lord, as your children, we're gathered in tonight, and we're here, O oh Lord, asking that you would, O oh Lord, just take us, Lord, as the prophet would speak, that as an eagle would flutter over their young and they would brood under his wings, Lord, May we just be under your wings tonight. Would you speak to us as only you can, Lord? You know every one of us here. You know our shortcomings, our failures. You know our insufficiencies. But, Lord, you know also our hearts. And, Father, we're asking, Lord, that you would look upon us with your favor and goodness. Lord, as we commit this service to you, we ask your blessing. We pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you to the musicians. Let's just turn to the Bible. Second Samuel, Second Samuel chapter seven. Second Samuel chapter seven. This is just after David had desired to build a house for God and the word of the Lord came to Nathan the servant and told him to speak to David and, and what would happen of following David in this kingdom. So we'll just start the reading in verse 8. <clears throat> now therefore so shalt thou say unto my servant David, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat from following the sheep to be a ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee wheresoever thou wentst, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more, Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time I commanded judges to be over the people of Israel and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house. And when thy days be fulfilled, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom." So he's now speaking of Solomon. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. 
and I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he, now I just want you to notice the order. It's not that David was going to be his father. God was going to be his father. And he will be my son. So he says, if he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, when I put away before thee, and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee, and thy throne shall be established forever. Amen. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'm going to approach the subject tonight of from really taking it out of verse 14. I'll be his father, I'll be my son. But he says, and there was a part, if he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men. I'm, I want to speak on the rod of the father. And uh, for those of you that were worried that I would pick up the book of Lamentations, you have a temporary reprieve. That'll happen later in the service. <laughs> So, a brother told me last time we spoke, he said, you can keep Jeremiah lamenting a little more. He says, that was good for me, he said. And I said, thank you, but I just want to follow what the Lord laid on my heart. So, I'm, I'm calling this the rod of the Father, and really it's a tool in the hand of the Father, and a tool is only as good as in the person that's holding it. We could take this... Um, what we would call a hockey stick, and we could give it to one of our sisters in the church, and she could take that hockey stick. She might grab it by the wrong end. I don't know. She's probably seen enough, but you'd, you'd grab it. You could, you could give a hockey stick to somebody, and you know what? They might use it for a different purpose. You could give a hockey stick to one of the young men in our assembly, and, and they would just, hey, they'd know what to do with it. They'd pick it up. They'd fire a puck. They'd do something. But I'll tell you what. You put a hockey stick in the hands of a guy named Connor McDavid, and it's a tool. <laughs> it, it can do amazing things. But it's the hand that is holding it that proves the worth of the tool. So we're talking of the rod of the Father. Now, I'm going to refer to a few scriptures quickly as background. But in Psalms chapter 23, and this is in, in verse, you know, God speaking to David um, in, in verse, I'm, I'm just going to try and go quickly to establish a principle and, and he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So God has a rod that's a comfort, a staff that was a comfort to David. You can go over to Isaiah chapter 11, and we can just, just you, you won't have to turn to these. I'm just going to have these put up on the screen if we can. So you start the reading in verse 1, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. So now we're really talking about Jesse, which was David's father, but there would come a root, but really now we're talking about Jesus Christ. 
And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he shall make him of quick understanding in the, in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. So this was out of the lineage of David, but there was going to come the son of David, the son of man. It was Jesus Christ. And he says, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and, with, and, and reprove the equity for the meek of the earth. And he'll smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. So again, he's using the principle of a rod. And now he's saying the rod of his mouth. Revelations 2. I'm just going to go through these quickly. Revelations 2, this is in verse 26. To he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, him will I give power over the nations. This is a promise to the overcomers in the church age, in, 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 uh, in one of the church ages. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And as vessels of a potter shall they be broken into shivers, even as I received of my father. Now we'll just go to one more. This is Revelations chapter 19. And it says, and I saw the, I, I'm going to read a little bit more here. I saw the heavens open and behold a white horse. And he that sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness. He doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. You know, I, I, I need to, this is an aspect that I just want to deal with for just a moment here. But we know we, we, the world would have a thought of, and Brother Branham himself had it. He said, I thought God hated me, but, but Jesus loved me. But he said, I came to find out they were one and the same. So sometimes we can have a, uh, a thought, and really Luther lived under this bondage where he thought the God that he had known and heard all of his life was a God of judgment and a God of fire and wrath and fierceness. And this God was there to continually punish him. And he could never live up to that. I don't know if we can appreciate the bondage that those saints in the Middle Ages were under. But God brought them out with a mighty hand. And he showed them he's not just a God of those things. But he showed them and it opened to Luther. He's not that kind of a God. So, you know, and, and, and as time would go on, people now will take Jesus, and we live in an, age, in an age where it's such a soft age. And so Jesus is not characterized that way, but he's characterized as the all-inclusive, the all-loving Jesus. He loves everything. You can do anything. Just love him. That's not the Jesus we serve. The Jesus we serve is balanced in the middle of that. And we need to in this soft age, and I think we're all afflicted. We're all afflicted with the, the, the spirit of the age. And there's a softness. And, and you know, you've got to be politically correct. And you've got to risk not offending anybody. And you've got to be... But the Jesus we serve was very direct. You know, he came on earth and, and we, they paint this picture. You know, he's kind and loving and he did. But read the, read the Gospels and read what he said. He was very pointed to the Pharisees. He was very pointed about situations. He wasn't just, a, 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 if I can say, a natural feeling oriented man. It was a higher level. This was out of God that came to visit the earth. 
And I'll say that's the same kind of message we have received. The message did not come from Jeffersonville. It came from the throne of God. The anointing that God sent to this age. If you ever listen to a tape, and it's just hard, but after you finish listening, it's just, wow, I feel scoured out. I needed that. Friends, it's not about picking the tapes that, that cater to what we our flesh wants, but it's taking all the message, taking the parts that, 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 that dig at us and, and, and cause us to dig in. I'm so grateful we have the message. I'm so grateful that it's, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a, a priest, you know, like they ask in the time of John, what did you go out to see, John? Was it, was it somebody clothed in white raiment? He says, no, it was a man in sheepskin, speaking rough and telling the soldiers to be, get that union spirit off of you. You know, and, and, and he was telling it, that's the spirit God sent again. How many are really grateful for it? Well, I am too, I really am. So, in, in, it's not a soft Jesus. In fact, this whole part in Revelations 19, this is where it's coming to. It says, I saw the heavens and there's a white horse, he that's true and faithful. Now in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes are as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. And I saw the armies which were in heaven followed him, clothed in, on horses, on white horses, clothed in white linen, white and clean. Now look, this is, this is now representing Christ with his, with, his, with his bride. He comes three times, but he says, Now the armies, and he says, Out of his mouth came a sharp sword that he would smite the nations. And he would rule them with a rod of iron. And he says, and he treadeth the winepress and the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. God is a, is a he, he, he's, he's not just an idol or an image. And the message isn't just, you know, what we pick out of it. We've got to let it form us. We can't, we, we, we can't just say, you know, it, it, it's what I think it is. No, it's what God says it is. It, it's continually shaping and molding and, and, and making us what we ought to be. I'm, I'm grateful for it. It, it, it's, it continually happens. Now, I want to take an aspect of the rod as it, it's relative to, to us while we're here on this earth. And so for this, I've got to go back to the book of Job. Are you ready? You know what, maybe we'll do at this point is ask you all to bow your heads. If anybody doesn't want to hear now the rest of this, while our eyes are closed, you can get up and just casually get out of the building. Okay, nobody's moved. We're okay. All right. <laughs> How many love the Word of God? Amen. Amen. Job chapter 9, verse 34. Job says this, Let him take his rod away from me, and let not his fear terrify me. So this is Job in affliction. This is Job in the flesh. This is Job in the midst of trial. So I, I don't like this. My flesh does not like this at all. 
But and he's saying, oh, let this come off me. And don't let his fear terrify me. You know, there's something that's you can only understand after you've walked a while with God and you've felt his hand. And, and it is more precious than gold. And I would say, the fear of God, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. The fear, Brother Bram says, I don't, you know, he says, I fear my wife. Not that he was scared of her. I fear the church. I, I, I fear the brethren. Not that he's scared of them, but I fear that I would cause them to be offended by my actions. Now, that, that's the fear of God. And, and I, I believe that that fear, there's an element of that that stays with us and needs to be with us. Job goes on to say in Job 21, and I, I was going to read verse 8, but I always like to listen to sometimes the verse before or the verse after. He says this, wherefore do the wicked live, become old, and are mighty in power. Job's looking at, at their prospering. Their seed is established in their sight with them, and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear. Neither is the rod of God upon them. So he's looking at them enviously. Why do these people have it so easy, and I got these struggles in my life? And he's looking, David actually in the Psalms, he says, I, I, I was discouraged when I looked at the wicked and I saw them prosper and I saw all these things. I think it's Psalm 74. And he's going, and then I went into the house of the Lord and I saw their end. And then I rejoiced because I saw what God was working in me was a more eternal weight of glory. So, so Job is sharing this. Psalms 89, David goes on to say, here in uh, verse 28. So this is Psalms 89 now, verse 28, and he says, did I give you this one, Sister? Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm, uh, Sister Ruth's doing job last week. I, I felt bad, Brother Dan was doing it, and I gave him the wrong PowerPoint title, and I blamed it on him, so Brother Dan, wherever you are, I apologize, I apologize. You're, you're vindicated in the sight of all the people. <laughs> Psalms 89, this is now... Talking in verse 28. My mercy will I keep forevermore. You need to read the first part to this to get to the middle and then you need to read the afterwards. My mercy will I keep with him forever, for him forevermore. My covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed will I make so to endure forever and his throne as the days of heaven. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, so now that doesn't sound good if we'd stop on, on, on verse 32. But the next part is wonderful. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. You know, I, I, I was thinking about Brother Branham when he speaks one in a million. And he, and he talks about how when you're born at your birth, there's, there's a germ and then there's an egg and the two have got to find each other. And he says there's million, a million germs that go out and there's one fertile egg and there's one germ. And, and the fact 
is that every one of us that's born on earth came this way. And, and, and so already, before you ever got to the flesh, you were a one in a million. So if you think about it, God predestinated, he ordered you. He, David says, uh, you know, before I was formed, you knew me. I have a father. And he says, and, and Brother Adam would talk about how that, that one would go over top, and it's not just the first that meets the first. It, it, it's a mystery how it works. He says, frankly, it's more mysterious than the, the supernatural birth. And he says, the fact that this one gets, and they come together, and they form, and you come out. And I've often thought, you know, no matter how you came. I was just with a co-worker the other day, and we were talking, and, and we did a house for their, uh, the house designed for them. And their children. And I asked, how are they doing? They go, he says, oh, great, they're going to build. But she's expecting, and they're holding off. And, and because her first birth, with her first, the second child, because their first child was premature, they decided they're going to monitor her the second time. And they gave a whole plethora of tests that they're going to give her. But when they did these tests, they found out that the child has a genetic heart defect which was the, the tube that brings in the oxygen, brings in the blood, it's reversed. And, and the child, if it would be born, would only live minutes. And for a doctor to try to discover this at the time of birth would be, oh, he says, there's only, there's about 3,000 cases a year that, that survive and, and he's across North America. But he says the fact that their first was premature, that the doctors had an eye, that they were able to run these tests and they caught that. And she, they're Christians and they said to me, oh, it was just the grace of God. Amen. And I said, oh, how wonderful God is. Out of this trial they had in the first, but it all made a way for the next, for the next. And that's our God. He shows himself in all of these things. So I, I'm so grateful for, for God's dealing on all these things. Proverbs 10, verse 12. I'm just going to keep moving. So he says, hatred stirs up strifes, but love covers all sins. In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. Wise men lay up foolish, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. Go back to verse 13, if you will, for a moment, Sister Ruth. The rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. Sometimes God speaks to us, and we really don't get it. Or we really don't take it seriously like he wants us to. So then he has to do something to get our attention. Then he has to make it real to us. You know, just, just was talking... A little bit, you know, about some different situations from time to time. My wife and I were talking about, you know, why did so-and-so do this and why did do that? And, you know, how could they? You know, they were, they, they were in the message. And how could they? And I, and I say, well, they really didn't know. They, you know, I, 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 can, I can attest the same thing in myself. I was a little child. I was a young boy. I grew up in a message home. I read a prophet visit South Africa. I read all these same miracles. I saw all those things. But I really didn't know. It really hadn't penetrated. It really hadn't sunk in. I really didn't understand. And so God sometimes does things to a point where we're laid bare, where all the things are over, where we're in a place where we're vulnerable, where there's nothing left, and then God writes on our heart the very thing we need. And from that moment, I know he touched me. Oh, I know he touched me. You know, Jacob... 
Jacob was, he was right in the right lineage. It was Abraham was his grandfather. Isaac was his father. Right in the right lineage. But, you know, and, and even had promises concerning his birth. The younger, you know, the older shall serve the younger. He knew all of these things. But yet he's, he still went in his nature. And Jacob in his nature was no good to the program of God. Jacob was a shyster. He was conniving. You know, God knew what he was doing when he put him together with Laban, who changed his wages ten times. I guarantee you, when they went in for the salary review, he says, you know, I've been looking at what you're doing. I'm going to up your wages. No. Every time he went in, they went down. You believe? That's what the Bible says. He changed my wages ten times. You know, like what? You know, Jacob, who deceived his brother, you know, to get the blessing... So he meets Laban. You know, God knows how to put things together. He meets Laban. And Laban, you know, he deceives him equally. The woman that he worked seven years for to marry because he loved it, he said it seemed as nothing to him. Well, they happened to put a veil over the other one. They probably gave him a little bit extra schnapps or something. You know, and he didn't know who it was. He couldn't tell the difference in the voice. You know, and he goes to get married and he's, hey, it's not her. I've been deceived. I don't know if it ever entered his heart of what he did to his brother. But God was getting his attention. Abraham in the flesh was no good. Abraham, I'm sorry, Jacob in the flesh. We're not in July, don't worry. (laughs) Jacob in the flesh was no good. But when Jacob had to meet Esau and he crossed the river and he met that man and wrestled there and and he had a wound and he limped, but he knew God. That was a prince. Thank God for that. You know, the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know, you, sometimes somebody tells it to you straight. You need to hear that sometimes. You know? you know? But if you go into the room and you come out with an arm cut off or something, I would just say, that's probably not a friend. An enemy spy has slipped in. Listen, are you okay with me? <laughs> iron sharpeneth iron. So a man, a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Oh, okay. I'll just turn around and preach to myself. <laughs> Listen, let's just, let's just go on. So I, I got I to move this along a little bit further. The Bible even talks now about children in the natural. So we, we, we go to Proverbs chapter 22. And, you know, I don't know who the guy was that wrote, what was his name? Uh, the guy who wrote the manual, Don't Spank Your Children. I think it only, Spock, that's him. It's another Spock I was thinking of for a minute there. But, there, there, <laughs> you know, and, and he wrote that and he says, you know, I'll tell you what, that guy never read the Bible. That guy probably, either he got beat too much or not enough. That's all I can say. But if we administer discipline properly as it's taught in the Bible, it will have its results. And if you don't administer it the way, God will administer you until you begin to administer the right way. Proverbs 22, verse 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from them. 
I was out today and I was just walking a little bit and I'd come by a little lake and there was some geese. You know, they're all just getting ready. They're feeding. They're, you know, just getting ready to journey. I, you know, they don't have cross-border um, issues that they have to worry about. You know, they, there's, there's no, no, they can just go, you know, and I, I was envious of them a little bit right now, but nonetheless, they were there, and, and there were a whole bunch of them up on the grass. I was sitting on the bench. It was peaceful, and then there was a grandma that came by with two kids, and, you know, the two kids, you know, you know there's a grandma, and she was just walking with them, and all of a sudden, they just started running at these geese and these ducks, and ah, quack, 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 and they're all just going, and, and you know, squawk, squawk, quack, and, and I'm going, those kids ought to have some respect, you know, and, and she's looking, and she's yelling at them, she says, and then she looks at me, and she says, ah, this young generation. <laughs> I said, yeah, I know what they need. It's in Proverbs 22, verse 15. <laughs> you know, it's a father and a mother that can administer correction. Not a grandmother. It's a father. So he says, he says in, in Proverbs, so the rod of correction will drive it far. Proverbs 23. Turn to that if you don't mind. Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. And you got to be careful on beatest here, okay? Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. But if you pat them on the back, Junior, you shouldn't do that. Now go along and if Junior does the same thing. I'd say it's time to administer the rod. And the rod needs to be administered the right way. Now, if we have a heavenly father, and the heavenly father gave us this for our earthly fathers, we ought to also say, it's for our good. If we can, we can understand and have that understanding. So, let's go to Revelations 3. This is for the age we live in, really. And, and I, I, you all know this very well, but Revelations 3, verse 15, and it really talks about the conditions of the age that was neither cold nor hot, and because they were lukewarm and neither cold or hot, they would be spewed out of his mouth. But the antidote comes and says, because you say you're rich, you're increased with goods, you have need of nothing, and, know, and knowest not thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Now that's a terrible condition. And, and he gives this counsel. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire. I think it was Charles Spurgeon said, God chose me and called me in the furnace of affliction. And he says, and I will gladly bear it for the work that he has wrought in my soul. My, what a place to be able to take that and say, yes, Lord, it's for my good. And he says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Now here's really the crux of it, verse 19. As many as I love, I comfort and I pacify. Oh, I missed the second verse, sorry. As many as I love, I coach to go on and live a better life. As many as I love, I rebuke. Amen. Oh, man. That's the amens have dropped off considerably at verse 19. As many as I love. Listen, let me, let me just put it another way. How many have ever been rebuked? Two hands up. How many can say, I have a father? <laughs> the two are synonymous. 
with each other. And he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and, so it's not just a rebuke, not a one time, but I chasten. Okay, now, chasten, you know, it's not just something, you know, a rebuke is maybe a one-time thing, but chastening, that's like we were on a hike, and I'm walking along, and one of my sons, I won't say which one, but you know in this, they have these little flowers that grow up, and they're kind of like, uh, almost like a pigtail and softness. Well, anyway, he started dangling one of those around my ears as he's walking behind me, and I think there's a mosquito, and I'm brushing it off and brushing it off, and he kept doing it. And I still haven't gotten him back for it. (laughs) But I just know they're here. And the rebuke has come. The chastening will follow. (laughs) And, you know, that was soft. But we also have these bushes. They're thorns. And you stick those in their side. And ooh, yeah. Their heads are just bowed right now in humility. (laughs) Anyway. So, you know... There's a rebuke, then there's a chastening. Be zealous, therefore. So, you know, do you want to do you want to get out from the rebuke? Do you want to get out? Be zealous and repent. Hey, that is still good enough for every one of us today. Sister, can you put on the PowerPoint, please? I'm just gonna go to this. And and the brothers help me with the PowerPoint. Thank you, Brother Mark. I appreciate it. I've, I've taken the different screen. I've taken the different things. I found the clicker. Thank you. I've got it all under control. It's getting better every service. So this is Brother Branham talking. He says, now, we can't pin evil things on our Heavenly Father because evil can't come out of good. Good comes from good, and God is good. We heard that on Sunday. There's nothing evil about our Heavenly Father. He's all good, and Satan is the enemy. Now, sometimes I will admit this. That our Heavenly Father sometimes chastens us with sickness, permitting Satan to do it, to try us, sometimes to bring us back. And if we go out of the way, then our Heavenly Father might let something happen to us to bring us back. But it will be all for good. I, I need to say something. We get brothers that come here, and they'll, they've known Brother Harold for many years, and they say, you know, Brother Harold's done so much overseas, they've done this and this, but they have not seen maybe the level to which some of us have seen is the office of a pastor as it chastens us, as it works for our benefit, as it does these things. I can honestly say he was the rod, but the father... The Father was working something to my benefit. There was times that I go, why is he on that again? Like some of you are tonight. Why is Brother Ed on that again? Because it's the Father using a rod for our benefit. You've heard the saying, don't shoot the messenger. He's just bringing the message. But I'm saying there was times I could see in my life, maybe I was going this way and maybe he knew it, maybe he didn't, maybe he spoke directly to me. I, I don't know, I, I haven't asked him all those times, but I came into a service and, and the word came forth and I go, oh God, if I go this way, I can see where it's going to go. I, I, I'll, I'll listen, Lord. And then when I didn't, it came again and again and I thought, that's the Father speaking to me. So thank God for that. I, I, I'm glad that we don't have, you know, Preachers with petticoats, preachers with white gloves, 
You know, and, and, but, but men of God, give me that old-time religion. Give, me, give it to me straight. I think we, want, we really want it straight. So he says, if we go to the heap, it'll work for good. The chastening of our father is not pleasant for a season, but finally it brings, it works all things together for good. Now he says, when you first got saved, the birds sang different, everything was sweet. Oh, everything was dandy when you first got saved. And as a man, you had to stop smoking. Then came the trying time, the chastening, the sanctifying time, sanctifying yourself from the things of the, of the world, laying aside the weights that so easily beset you. And he said, stop your drinking, stop the pool room, stop the all-night card parties. Now, that, that's when you're first coming out. But the chastening gets a little finer after you've been a Christian for a while. Because you've left those things behind. But, you know, you carry the atmosphere of those things or the places you've been and you bring them into church. And God says, that attitude cannot remain. That, 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 that subtle rebellion to the word cannot remain. That, that, that resentment that comes up when something is said, that cannot remain. And so God begins to chasten those things. Oh, thank God for it. Thank God for it. And he says, so you women had to let your hair grow, lengthen your dresses, act like different than you was, sanctified. Now he says, many times they would rebel and go back. Well, that's not a child of God. Oh, really? But they were such good Christians. They're not a child. If you can't endure chastening, you're not really a son or a daughter. That's the Bible. Okay? A child of God looks straight to Calvary and knows that it's for his good. Now we realize this is the experience of a Christian. Sometimes we go through terrible chastisement, chastening of the Lord. Many things to correct us that will be fruit-bearing to a Christian. Sometimes he has to prune us. So that we don't become prunes. I, I put that in. Sometimes he has to prune us, cut off, take away. I, I can't always say everything I think, but this time I'm going to say it. We, I worked for this architect. He was, in, he was an Englishman. He always had a little bit of a dry sense of humor. And uh, we had a receptionist that lived, there, that lived there, worked there for a while. And she worked there. And, you know, he, he was a pretty particular guy. He was an old Englishman. You know, he, he wore a vest, a three-piece suit to work every day. And, you know, he had his tie. Actually, it was a bow tie quite often. Just, just you know, and, and he spoke in this English accent. And he, he had on some operatic music in the background all the time, which was actually a blessing sometimes. But, uh, and anyway, he'd, he'd come in. And we had this receptionist. And one of her duties was to make him tea at 10 a.m. exactly and at 3 p.m. exactly. And the tea had to be, uh, the water had to be boiled two minutes before 10. The tea bag had to be dropped in for exactly a minute and 30 seconds. And a squinge of, of lemon juice had to be brought in for the last 30 seconds. And then it had to be delivered to his desk. Now, that's somebody who likes their tea. Anyway, that was the way it was. And, you know, and, and he was like that. And I watched this for many years. And this, you know, I, I think she just got... She, she just had a terrible disposition. She was sour. She, you know, and she finally left, and we got a new girl, and then he, he was speaking with the staff one time, and just a few of us guys afterwards, and he says, what do you think of the new receptionist? He says, yeah. He says, it's nice to have one that doesn't look like she's been sucking on a lemon all day, right? <laughs> like the last one. He, he, he thought that she sucked on the lemon because her face was so sour all the time. I, I don't want to be known for that. 
Let's be happy. Let's be Christians. Are you going through a trial? Yes, I'm happy in the Lord anyway. Ah, a Christian ought to be the happiest person there is. I don't know how I got onto that. And he says, so he has to prune us, that's why. Okay, he has to cut us off, take us, take away, take it out of our hands. We think, oh God, what are you doing to us? Have you ever thought of that? But he knows what he's doing. So we pray, Father, that today you'll prune every one of us. From the least to the greatest, the pastor. God, we pray that you'll prune every one of us. Take away all that's unlike you, Father. Take away the thing that's hindering us from being fruit-bearing Christians. The day's coming when it's going to get dark. We're living in the greatest chastening that the world has ever known. When he's taking a bride out of Laodicea for his namesake. I, I just have a service I was holding back today because I, I, I want to speak it on Sunday, but uh, I, I, I'm not going to say any more than that. There's no commercial, no nothing. So no trailer, nothing. So I, I want to go back to this now because uh, and thank I need to give thanks to Brother Tim because he said, I've got to make that a little bit more legible for the people. So I'm making it a little bit more legible to the people. Who said yeah? God bless you, Brother Dan. I needed that. <laughs> Actually, I brought this out with me because I said, I was sitting in the office and I looked across and it's there and sometimes you don't read it, but we have this up in our office in the bulletin board and it says, a minister. I believe the great spirit that's among us is the Holy Spirit. I believe he called me for this purpose. It doesn't make me any more than the man that got saved this morning. I'm just your servant. I'm your brother. It makes me less because I'm sent to serve you. I'm a servant to the public, a public servant, a minister to serve the public. To be the underdog, you take these knocks and the drives of the public. And whatever it is, stand there. And if you haven't got grace enough to smile and take it, then you ought to go back to Calvary and reconfirm your commission. So thank you for saying, yeah, Brother Dan. I, I needed that. Okay. So we're going to go to this. So I, I've, been, I've been taking this period, and I'm kind of in this thought. That's why I'm here where I am, but I was taking this period of the chronological order. So now I'm going to let you just get acquainted, but that's the Bible in the Old Testament. There's all the books you know, that, are, that are here. It's all been chronicled. But there's this big gap that occurs here, and then there's the 70 years of exile, and after which there is Ezra and Nehemiah, and I really want to get to this because it is the restoration. It is a type of everything that God is doing for us. But before we get there, there had to be a dying out, a death. It had to be hitting rock bottom. It had to be a place where saying, oh God, start over with me. As we said last week, Ah, you're, I'm the clay. You're the potter. Lord, rebuild me if you have to. But it was such a period. And, and you know, all these books are in the Bible for a reason. And they're, they're there for a reason. So the Lamentations. And, and, you know, so even at the tail end of the Chronicles, before they go into it, that's when Jeremiah was right in here. And Lamentations. And, and during the captivity, it was Daniel and Ezekiel. And then after it was these other prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. So I'm, I'm just going to take this timeline for a moment. In 605 BC, the Babylonians first invaded Judah. Then in 605, the first waves of the deportation of the Jews started into Babylon. 
605, Daniel is taken captive and begins to prophesy. Judah begins to realize, Jeremiah warns them. The kings come, the second wave in 597. Ezekiel is taken captive. Ezekiel begins to prophesy. Now if you go to this, it's 586. And he says, the Babylonians destroy the temple of Jerusalem and the, temp and the temple. So from 586 to 516 is 70 years. This is the time that they were in exile. So this is the time where all of these things happened. But before they ever got there, there was a 19-year period where they were already in the cycle of going into it, where God was warning them. So it's in this period that Jeremiah comes up. It's in this period the lamentations come up. And it's, it's going into it. And if, and if we can say it this way, friends, the world that we're seeing, it's not in a tribulation, but it's going into a tribulation cycle. It will never recover. And at the same time, the bride is going into a rapture cycle. So we're living in that time. And we never lose sight of it. So, yes, it's grievous to see what we live in. It was grievous to Daniel to see where Israel was. It was the burden of God to see the kings committing fornication the way they were. But it was all God's plan. Now, I'm just going to turn that off there for a moment. And Sister Ruth, I'm just going to go to the next scripture. So. Go with me to 2 Samuel 24. I'm going to go back to where I started with David and his son. 2 Samuel 24. Now, this is David. When God had to deal with Israel in the Old Testament, and he had to use a rod against them, that rod came in different forms. So let's just read that a little bit. So 2 Samuel 24. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go, number Israel and Judah. For the king said to Joab, the captain of the host that was with him, Go through all the tribes, number the people. I'm going quick. Verse 3. And then Joab tries to say, Now the Lord and the king add to the people, Whosoever it may be. But why are you numbering the people? You know, he's, he's trying to reason with David. Notwithstanding, the king's word prevailed against Joab, and he went out and numbered the people. Now, go back to verse 1 for a moment. Now, the anger of the Lord was not against David. It was against Israel. And he wants to punish Israel. So what does he use? He says, I'm going to use David as a rod. And I'm going to use David, and I'm going to allow an, an anointing to come on him to number the people. Maybe there was a little element of pride or something, and David, you know, it just got in his head, it flew in, and he just went and did it. You know, I, I, I see, friends, the, the age we're living in, things fly in, and, and, and I say, we need to be prayed up. I need, I, I found myself sometimes sharp with my mouth, I go, oh God. Help me to have the spirit of Christ. Help me, Lord, that I can, I, 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 I'm not going to be, you know, there's a, a quote I shared with a brother, but I just said, God sent the Holy Spirit to be the leader to the church. He didn't send a, a, a he would call it a bishop or something. He sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit knows how to overcome the day 
and the age. And he uses this word, and the fierceness of the day. And I'll tell you what, look at the protests in the U.S. There's a fierceness. There's no reasoning. That spirit's in the land. That spirit can jump on us. God help me. God help us all. Let us be Christians. Let us be, let us, let us, let us keep a sound mind as our brother Dwayne spoke the other night. So David, something just flew into him. You know, you, I, I don't know what flew into me, he says. Sometimes people think, ah, I don't know what flew into me and just write it off. That's not, not the way it works. Sorry. Now verse 10, and David's heart smote him after he numbered the people. And David said, I, unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that what I've done. Now I beseech thee, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I've done very foolishly. But it wasn't David, it was God using David. For when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came to Gad, the prophet, and he says, go say to David. Now here's how God dealt with Israel. He would say, what would you rather have in verse 13? Shall I give you seven years of famine unto the land? So he would actually use natural pestilence on the land as a punishment. You read about you read it, you know, in Deuteronomy 11, how when they came in the land, God said, you obey me, and the land will bless, you'll be blessed. You disobey me, and, and you'll, you'll, you won't have it. So that's how God dealt with them. Now he, he would go on and say, here, and in, 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 in he'd go a little further, or will you have three months before your enemies while they pursue thee? So that was the other way. God would, you would look in the Bible, God would raise up someone. He'd, he'd stir up the king of the Ammonites, or he'd stir up the king of Egypt. Or, and in the case of Israel, when they were in he stirred up Babylon, the king of Babylon, as a punishment or as a rod. Now that was a rod in the hand of God. And it's important that you recognize the rod and who is wielding it. It wasn't just the king. It wasn't just that. So, And then the last thing he says, or... Will you have three days pestilence in the land, which is a natural affliction, sickness, and things? And, and he says, you advise and you tell me, and I'll, God will do it the way you, you pick your punishment. Oh, well. You know, David just says, I'm in a great strait. He says, but he says, with God there's mercy. Don't let me fall in the hands of my enemies. He says, Lord, your mercies are great. He says, let me not fall into the hands of man. Samson, you know, he had a gift, but he played around with it. And finally he was put into the hands of the Philistines. And they took out his eyes, and they took out all these things. And Samson, he recognized that was a rod in God's hand. So the Lord sent a pestilence. So what God really did was the last thing. He sent a pestilence from the morning to the time appointed and, 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 and there died of the people 70,000 men and, and there was a you know there was David went to the threshing floor and, and, and God an angel met him and it was all good but I'm, I'm going to take that principle and I just want to carry it over to David again go back with me to 2 Samuel chapter 12 uh, in, in chapter 11 you'll know the story I'm not going to read it all but David um, saw a woman in the in the house over Bathsheba, found out that she was Uriah's wife. He sent to Uriah. He had Uriah killed in battle. And then he took Uriah's wife for his own. 
And now in chapter 12, let's just pick it up, verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And, and, it, and I'll just paraphrase it because he says, uh, David, uh, this is Nathan here. He says, I, I got a story I got to tell you. There's there two men in the city. One was rich, one was poor. And he says, the poor man had very little but a little ewe lamb. He brought it, he nourished it. They, they grew up together. They did eat meat together. And then a traveler came to the rich man. He told him, he said, um, if he could borrow from the rich man one of the flock. And, and the, the rich man went over to the poor man's house and took the only ewe lamb and killed it and gave it to the, to the thing. And David, he says, who did this? He's, he's, he was angry. He said, as the Lord liveth, this man will surely die. And Nathan says to him, you're the man. You're the man. And you now you think about the blindness that David operated under. But now he says, Thus saith the Lord God, of, I anointed you king over Israel. I gave you, this is verse 7, and I gave you a master's house, master's wives, gave the house of Israel. I gave you all of these things, but yet you killed Uriah and you took his wife. And now he says this in verse 10, the sword will never depart out of your house. Now, neither would the mercies. So, you know, Brother Bannon would say this actually, and he would talk about the wages of sin is death. He said, you think, well, can't we backslide? He said, absolutely. You can backslide it, but you're going to get it. You know, this, this thing about just a quick repentance and go on like nothing happened, that does not exist in the house of God. There's got to be a, a, a deep acknowledgement. That's why Israel was 70. There's got to be an acknowledgement. I did wrong. And you don't just say, okay, I did wrong. I repented. Let's just restore everything as it was. No, no, you got work to do. So he says this, Abraham got it, the rest of them got it, and you'll get it. He said, don't think it gives you a right to sin. You'll pay for everything you do. You reap what you sow. You do one little sin. You'll reap a whole wash tub full. Now, brother, that doesn't mean you're lost. Oh, thank you for that, Lord. But Abraham reaped exactly what he sowed. But he was still saved. The covenant God made with Israel, they lost their heritage. They lost their promised land. They did not lose their covenant. But if you're a child of God, you'll be chastened. Because otherwise, if you're not, you're a bastard born. That's not a word that's used commonly, but it's in the Bible. So David, this is what happened. Now let's just jump over to 2 Samuel 16. This is, this is always an amazing, amazing scripture to me. But 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 5. Let's just pick it up. And this is when David, now Absalom has risen up. Absalom has taken over the kingdom. He takes 10 of David's concubines, puts them in an upper place under the counsel of one of David's wisest men. Now when King David came to, he's, he's fleeing from Jerusalem, and he came to Bahirim, and behold, out of there came out of a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gerai. He came forth, and he cursed as he came. And he cast stones at David, and all the servants of the king, and all the people, and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Then said Shimei, when he cursed, come out, come out, thou bloody man, thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned on thee all the blood of the house of Saul. So this is a man out of the house of Saul who had not gotten over the fact that David was the king instead of Saul. He was living in a natural realm. And he said, and he said, 
and he says, in the blood of the house of Saul, the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. Behold, thou art taken in mischief, and you're a bloody man. Then said Abishai to the king, why do you let this dead dog curse him? Let me go over there and take his head. And the king said, what have I to do with you? Now look, look this is amazing. Now David in the flesh had the power to do all of this. And he says, this will, this will really sort of set the whole stage for Sunday, but it says, and he says, and, and he says, how, this man seeks my life. How much now, you know, he says, my own son seeks my life. How much more may this Benjamite do it? Now look at these words. Leave him alone. Let him alone. Let him curse. Maybe the Lord told him to do it. Oh, the Lord told, this man is out of order. He's in the wrong lineage. He's this, he's this, he's this. But David did not look at the rod. He looked at the father that was holding the rod. Oh, my boss is so mean. You know, he says, well, you know, recognize it's not your boss. It's the father. Oh, you know, you know you, we, we can take so many different things and, and hold them against. And we say, oh, this co-worker, I have so much trouble with him. Well, maybe God sent him. Maybe God allowed that. Maybe that's a chastening that we need or I need or you need. Maybe somebody just comes and hits you under the gut with something and you know it's out of order. But you say, maybe God told him to do it. Lord, I accept it as from you. And Lord, if he did wrong, you'll straighten that part out. But for now, you will let nothing come my way unless you've ordered it. Oh, if we could look at situations that way. Then we'll have less issue. Sometimes the issue is not, you know, and, and it can happen even in your own house. Your own husband, your own wife, your own, whatever can happen right in your own house. And, and you say, I needed to hear that. You know what? I could use some help in that matter. But sometimes we react in the flesh. Oh, they'll, why don't they change? Why don't they do this? And, why, and, 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 and as long as we're fighting this way, Satan sits back. <laughs> I got him, I got him. I got him. And really, when we can see what David saw, this Shimei, he was completely out of order. But David saw it as a rod in the hands of the Father. I deserve this. God told me, there's a man who knows how to repent. There's a man who knows how to take the chastening of God. And I, I think we ought to be grown up enough, every one of us, and say, God, you're dealing with me in this situation. You're dealing with all of us in this situation. Let us recognize what you're doing. Amen. We, you know, don't, don't get upset at the tool sometimes or the rod that God is using. Just say, okay, I, I, I can get this. You know, I, I always marvel how Brother Branham sometimes even how he took situations and observed them and watched them. You know, he, he was, uh, the one that comes to my mind is, even, even when he was, 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 was trying to organize the meetings and do certain things and, 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 and make things happen to get the, feast, the, the series on the trumpets, and he couldn't get the thing, and he was this and he was that, and it wasn't working out, and then God showed him. And then there was another time, his voice was hoarse. He was trying to do something. He was sick for 10 days, and, and he says, the devil is, and, and then his wife said, 
Maybe God's stopping you. And he stopped and said, Lord, maybe this is you. How, how often do we stop and say, Lord, is this you? Yeah. And I, I'm just bringing it to them, bringing it to a close. I've got to stop. But, but I'm just saying is, recognize the rod of the Father. Okay, we're going to just, just go quickly to this scripture. This will be in, Psalm, in, in Hebrews chapter 12. We'll just finish with this. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's just read from verse 5. You have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as children. My son, my son. Listen to those first words. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. What son is he whom the Father chastens not? But if you are without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards. Now that scripture is amazing. But if you're without chastisement, in other words, if you're not receiving it as from the Lord, you know, we're all partakers of it, but if you don't receive it, then you're bastards, you're not sons. Moreover, he says, this goes back to Proverbs, we had fathers in our flesh which corrected us, we gave them reverence. How much more shall we not rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and lives? For verily for a few days they chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit. I don't know if you've ever heard the testimony of Gary Walker, a brother from New Zealand. If you, if you ever need to go on the Cloverdale website, search out Gary Walker. He gave a testimony there about 12 years ago. Gary Walker was a minister in this gospel. He was going down the road one day, and a truck came and sheared against his van. He went into the ditch. It was hit the driver's side. He was given up for dead at the scene. He was given up for dead at the hospital. He was given up for dead after an operation three times. He lost his business. He lost his health. He still this day walks with a crutch. I just missed him in Ethiopia. He was there just shortly before us. And, and, and he, he did all of these things. And he's in the hospital for nine months. And he had such terrible nerve damage. And he's in the hospital. And the nurse walking by the bedside just created a little breeze that tickled the hairs of his arm and caused him to excruciate in pain. Ah! And at that moment, he asked the question. He said, Lord, why are you doing this? Why? And he says, something spoke to him. If you could see the big picture, you would volunteer for this. Friends, if we could see the big picture, we would say thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing. Oh, it rubs me the wrong way, and oh, it does this, but thank you, Lord. As we finish this and the musicians come, verse 11, now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. 
Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see God, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God or any root of bitterness springing up defile you, whereby many are defiled. These scriptures actually all tie together. I don't have time to go into them. Let's stand together. The rod of the Father. (laughs) Sometimes we're the rod. (laughs) We don't like to be. There's a brother, I think Brother Ray, you might know him. He was in Saskatchewan. He was a brother. He's passed on now. He, I'm not going to mention his name, but somebody asked him, so what's your gift? He says, I'm an emery stone. Yeah, I rub people. (laughs) Oh, my. Listen, if you're going to do it on purpose... Be careful that it's not you doing it, but God doing it. And, and if it's God doing it, you don't want to do it. But I'll just say this. Uh, thank God that he knows how to do things. He knows how to work things. He has a provided way. Sometimes he has to get us to a place. You know, I just was walking, listening to God's provided way. Just play something softly. He, and, and Brother Bam says, a, a, a duck that's born in an egg, if you try to help it out, He said, it's got this little thing that it beats against. It's there for a reason. The new birth is a mess. You try to help somebody, you'll kill them. But oh, let God do a work. He says, God has a provided way. And he says, a baby that's crying, that's God's provided way. And then just synonymous with that, he says, a church that is crying to God That's just where he wants to get you so he can answer you. It's not when we're all good and we're all fine, but it's when we're broken. And in Psalms 51, David says, a broken and a contrite spirit you will not despise. I'm thankful for all of God's dealings. I I, I can't say that in the flesh, but I can say in those moments, they are more precious precious than gold. There's nothing I'd rather have than his hand to know I have a father, to know he's taking care of me, to know what he's doing, what he does. Let the Lord have his way in my life today. Let the Lord have his way Let's